I, I have I have a relatively hot take on something. Oh Jesus! It's uh, it's, this might get us. Are we going to get canceled? We and we might get canceled because of this. Okay. I think this is forty is a perfect movie. Yeah, that's not a hot take. Did you watch it because you're forty now? No, 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 no. I mean, there were some things that I appreciated well, about it. Was that the it first more. time you were like, well, I, obviously you are Paul Rudd character because you want to like hang out with Graham Parker. I, your, I would love to hang out with Graham Parker at your indie label. Uh, oh man, man, that would rock, be the shit. At his Yep Rock type label and have Lena Dunham as your uh, yeah well, assistant. I, that, yeah, okay, so she's got a tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say that 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 situation of it, I would love to be, I would love to have my own indie label. Hopefully, it wouldn't be failing. But you know, to be able to say that I had, you know, produced and released albums by Paul Westerberg and Frank Black and Graham Parker, you know, um, which of course a, a rogues gallery of uh, non-commercial artists. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we know what Judd Apatow likes. Yeah. And he's like us. Um, the, uh, but yeah, to have my wisecracking, you know, Chris O'Dowd over there, that'd be cool. I'd hang with that guy, you know, and then Lena Dunham. Oh, God, am I your Chris O'Dowd? No, you're not my Chris O'Dowd. You're not funny enough. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure shit, not your Lena Dunham. No, no, you're not hot enough. Um <laughs> Touche. Um, oh, I'm not your Leslie man. I'm <laughs> no, definitely not, not hot enough Leslie for that. Yeah. That's that's for sure. Um, but man, I, I would count myself a, a very lucky individual. Um, I mean, that's the thing is that Judd Apatow is the sort of Jew that gives us other Jews hope that one day we'll we'll meet somebody like Leslie Mann and somehow our you know. Our humor is going to win them over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he definitely because um, that man is totally um, punching above his weight class. <laughs> no, and he knows it. He's very aware of it, and he is very funny. Um, yes. So and very self-aware. I I like the progression he's made in his career from um, comedies about boners uh, that don't go away to funny people to this is 40 to producing girls yeah i you know I, it's so the reason i thought it might be a hot take is because i was i was watching it and i've seen it before i think i actually saw it in, in the theater when it mm -hmm. came out um and i remember enjoying it then but mostly for you know of course when it came out i was far from 40 <laughs> well i mean yeah. or further, you just came because you knew Lindsay buckingham was did the soundtrack or something and no it's well no i already li i liked apatow yeah um and i liked paul rudd and I knew that Albert Brooks was in it, and oh yeah, he's the dad. He's 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 Rudd's dad, yeah, which is which is perfect. I, I yeah, um, such great casting, and he's so good in it too. Yeah, Al Albert Brooks rules. So does John Lithgow, for that matter. Yeah, um, he's her dad. He's right? her dad. Yeah. yeah, her biological father, as as she introduces him. Um, but. You know, and I, I remember appreciating it, appreciating it at the time. John Bryan is the one who does the soundtrack. Oh, that's right. Uh, Lindsey Buckingham is on the soundtrack, though. Is is he? Yeah, I'm pretty I sure. I don't remember him being on this particular one. I can imagine him for sure being on 
an Apatow film, but no, he's like, I think he did contributes a song to the soundtrack, but that's neither here nor there. Let's not debate that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, <laughs> we 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 got to be careful with the soundtrack because it also does feature a scene where towards the end of the film where they go to see Ryan Adams. So. <laughs> Uh, I saw that pop up. I was like, "Oh yeah!" And I was like, "Oh yeah!" Perfectly, perfectly <laughs> innocent thing at the time. At the time, yeah. Who yeah. knew that that was gonna be a that was gonna be a problem? I mean, Avatar is a whiskey town fan. What can what can we do? And that's well, and that's what hurt too. Is like it was a good song that they were playing. I was like, mm-hmm. man, I really wish it was cool to like Ryan Adams still. And I don't mean cool as in like hip or like something the kids are into but i mean cool as in you know it's okay to like ryan adams well you can still like ryan adams i he's somebody who i just heard i've i've read too many accounts of him just being such a lecherous piece of shit that i cannot yeah. divorce his art i, I mean the, i can't do person. it either so i can't i can't even listen to whiskey town now yeah it's just it it's too far gone it, yeah. it's it's a shame but whatever um, it's, it, it's the sort of thing where I would feel bad while listening to it. And I feel bad enough as it is just in my day to day life. So I don't need that. I mean, he's going to get royalty because you watched it. Well, well, no, I watched it on Blu-ray because I have oh, a okay. physical copy. Of course. You <laughs> Remember did. I'm the non-streaming guy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, but no, I was watching it and I've, I've heard over the years that film get a lot of shit. Uh, and you know, you, and I logged From it on, who? I logged it on, I logged it on letterboxd and there's a lot of like two star reviews or, you know, two and a half star reviews or people who call out, call it out for being too long. And you know, it's I, from people who've never seen a Joy appetite movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know that that's a, a chief complaint of his is that he doesn't, he, he doesn't whittle it down enough, but I was watching the film and I, I couldn't think of anything that I would have done without. And yeah. then the fact that there are scenes that also like also didn't make the film. He very clear, you know, he's he's that type of filmmaker where he's just going to get all the coverage in all the versions he can, because a lot of people are, are improvising. And he's also I watched the making of of it and he calls out alternates on the spot, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to watch people like Lithgow and. Brooks roll with that and then Brooks just improvising on the spot um, is a, it's it's a fascinating I, thing to watch I mean there are two people who can do that it's with Gown Brooks sure definitely yeah. Brooks yeah I, mean, I don't know well and that was a, that was a cool thing about watching that making of was hearing you know Lithgow talk about how cool it was to work with Albert Brooks yeah <laughs> it's just funny it's like in the 80s like Lithgow was like um I always liked him because he was in all these movies I liked, um, like the Mahan Project, um, and Harry and the Hendersons, obviously. Sure. I think wasn't he in like some Spielberg, a Spielberg movie too? I don't remember. Uh, you know, I'm having trouble recalling off the top just, of my head, but yeah, but now he's like, like this this perfect character actor now like and like he's well, gone yeah, beyond he always, he he always has been let's but. let's introduce the show real quick this is mental platypus eight minutes in i'm jared i'm jason <laughs> um you know where not to be able to find us but uh please like and subscribe and recommend us to your friends yeah 
Lithgow has always been a character actor, though. If you look at at De Palma movies, De, and, yeah, the De Palma, yeah. but you know, World According to Garp, yeah, uh, and things like that. I mean, um, I, I always, his, what about his little role in terms of endearment? Yeah, well, um, that's the thing is like when I was nine or ten, mm-hmm. um, actually eight or nine, probably when these movies came out. Sure, I only know him as like the goofy guy who, right, you know, steps up to Sas- Sasquatch and Harry and the Hendersons. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah, I didn't watch Buckaroo Banzai when I was a kid. Um, I watched that as a kid. I know you did. Yeah, because I watched it because I watched it one day because I'm going. Is this it? Is that all there is? <laughs> 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 I thought this was. I thought, I, it's fine. It's just. I I love that movie, and I, maybe it's mm. the nostalgia factor, but that's one I'll throw on and and just enjoy the fuck out of it it's insane mm-hmm. it, you know it 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 shouldn't work but then it does and and mm-hmm. and peter peter weller yeah uh is so great in it and you know yeah but then i'll watch something like completely unhinged like raising cane oh sure oh my god have you ever watched that movie it's been a long time it movie is bat shit that's a crazy diploma, right yes yeah that movie is like bat shit crazy and he is batshit crazy in that movie. He is amazing in that movie. Yeah. I can't tell you enough how much I like that movie. And it's like, you shouldn't like it because everything about it goes against logic. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's De Palma, so mm-hmm. you don't care. <laughs> right. But it's just, it, it's it's so funny that the, the goofy guy from Third Rock from right. the, like, can... Well, and that's, that's how versatile he is now. Like he can be like this badass dude, right? You know? A lot of people, their first exposure to him was Third Rock from the Sun, and that's yeah. where they know him from, mm-hmm. which is which is crazy. Uh, Have you ever seen the Mayhem Project? Who else is in that? It's him. I think the kid from Last Starfire. Okay, and um, the gal. Cynthia Nixon. Um, I was going to say the gal from Sex and the Sea. Cynthia Nixon. And it's about this experiment. Like, John Lithgow is, like, dating his mom. And he's a nuclear scientist. And... To be... I just want to clarify. He's dating the kid's mom, right? Yes. He's not dating his own mom. Because <laughs> that's a very different film. Yes, this is... A, that's that's this starring, is that kind of movie. You know, that film's going to star Roddy McDowell. Or not Roddy McDowell. Uh, <laughs> Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, <laughs> it's called anyway. Yes. Um. So he um steals plutonium from John Lithgow's the lab that he works at, and he builds an atomic bomb. The kid does. Yes. Okay. I As have part of a science this. project. Huh. Wow. And of course, hijinks ensue. I would imagine. Yeah. Like, how does the kid not get cancer and die? <laughs> He, Different kind of film, huh? <laughs> anyway, it's like it, it's meant to be like an anti-war statement because sure. this is, you know, the eighties. It's the height of the no Cold nukes War. And, yeah, yeah, you know, Thatcher and you know, but sure. anyway, I, I, it's a movie I definitely remember as a kid, really enjoying. Um, I, I'm sure no one has even heard of this movie, but played like an HBO. Hmm. all the time that's i mean we so you know you're you're just a couple years older than i am um 
but we grew up in a time where that was if you had cable and you had HBO and the the selection of films was was limited enough that you could see in you know mm-hmm. in rotation you, you throughout a week you could go ahead and see the same film over and over and over again yeah one of the things um so we're currently borrowing i don't want to say stealing but someone you signed into their sling account when they're over my house one day and never signed out Mm -hmm. so i get to like you know watch sporting events for free now gotcha (laughs) um which is nice um but we get like tnt and tbs and it's nice to like scroll through it like it's like like your cable thing like oh i know that movie like i know that movie yeah like kind of see it movies over and over again and yeah there are commercials in it sure (laughs) but it's nice to like i just talking about like that nice feeling where you have like a saturday with nothing to do and you're switching the channels and you're like oh this is on i'm not going anywhere (laughs) that's yeah um yeah i don't have it's been a long time since i've had that kind of thing but I, i know what you're talking about um but um, we're not here um, to talk about uh, Judd Apatow. Judd this Apatow, is... and your hot and your not hot take. I, it's for some reason I, I I just you know I it was one of those things where I because I, um, I, I Letterboxd is one of those things. It's it's the last essentially it's essentially anyway the last social media app that I'm on because I just like to lo- and it's only there because I like to log the films that I I watch uh and i i like to you know see uh you know critics that i like and what they're watching mm-hmm. um and and friends you know a few friends that i have that are actually on there to see what they're they're watching you're not um, checking my shit <laughs> i saw that you watched air i don't yeah. always you know it's whatever man um how do i know you're paying attention if this. you don't like my reviews Know it in your heart. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, so, no, uh, we're, we're not here. This is not the Apatow rap. Um, this is not the um, the Lithgow career retrospective. Um, Can you imagine? Which, which That'd be great. we're going to call Lith now. Uh, <laughs> we go through with it. I know. Uh, I know we have plans for like what we're going to do after getting Twee with it. Um, all right, but I think maybe we should make some space for um, it's Lith now. Lith now. Yeah. <laughs> it's John Lith now. <laughs> and we go through the you know we we go through the highlights of it would have to be a highlight. It would have to be a highlight curated kind of thing because he's just got he's had such a long career and been in so many films over the years that there's no way we could cover everything yeah so we do like unless we turned into a specifically lithgow centric podcast yeah which <laughs> no one's doing that and the the name of the podcast would have to be john lith now john lith now <laughs> what's john lith now john lith now the john lithgow podcast <laughs> And we go, we, we start from the beginning to the end, you know, and we go through it, John Lithgow movies. It might be the most wildly successful thing we've ever done. Because <laughs> Lord knows this, 
you because know, nobody would look at any of our podcasts over the years and put the two words wildly and successful in in succession like that. No. <laughs> and we know successful as, you know, you know, in the eye of the beholder. Sure. Wild perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> successful. It depends on your definition of success. Yeah. If we're looking at monetary success, we are far from it. Yeah. We can't even get Bonobo's money. <laughs> we we don't have any mattress companies advertising on our on our site. We don't have uh, there's no stamps.com. No, like does me I'm use the code even mental <laughs> for fifteen percent off. <laughs> Does meat undies even exist anymore? I'm sure it does. I mean, if it's not, if Marion isn't talking about it, does it make a sound? <laughs> I, I still, for the time being, have the ad-free version, although I am I am pretty behind on... I, I am, too. I, 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 it's a thing I, I, I didn't realize. Like, oh, yeah, there are no ads on this. And it's mm. like... <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'm so far behind on on Marin that I've been entertaining the idea of dropping the paid subscription because mm-hmm. I, I haven't been listening to the to any of the the extra content, as it were. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm on the J Smith Cameron episode, okay. and I'm uh, I didn't realize that she was married to um, what's his face from Manchester by the Sea, um. Is that Michelle Williams? No, no, no. Um, the the guy who wrote it, and the director. Oh, oh, oh. sorry. And you can um, tell me. Yes, I know who you're talking about. Um, God damn it! God. Hold on. It's like an Irish name or something, isn't it? Oh, uh, Logan. Yeah. Kenneth Logan. Yes. Uh-huh. I didn't have to look you up. I said Irish name, and it came to you. Didn't yep. It? So. The thing about this is 45. I mean, I I forget <laughs> shit. A lot so it starts to happen like you know in my in my 20s i had all the simpsons episodes i'd seen memorized pretty much i could just like verbatim recall specific lines now when i think about it i'm like "Eh, it's something like this i don't remember the exact line but you know but also to be fair at that time i was watching the simpsons a lot more than i am now yeah and now that you're not a streaming guy anymore. Um, I'm not a streaming guy, but I do have several seasons of The Simpsons on on DVD. Yes, because you're all about physical media. Damn straight. Speaking of, if you Are we can kind of hear in the background, yeah, the uh, double disc version of a little album called The Sun came out, uh, and it is uh, the latest installment of our long-running series. Um, some might wonder, is it too long? Oh, getting Tweety with it. The extra, the extra Wilco, extra Wilco, Wilco work of Jeff Tweety. Um, I'm really sorry I gave it that. You, you tried. And I'm really proud of you. It looks great in the description of the episode, but it doesn't roll off the tongue. I'm really proud that you tried it, though. Yes. I'm really even more proud that you came up with it. I mean,. The last the last day, um, I've heard some pretty solid Neil Finn puns from both you and and my wife. <laughs> my wife. <laughs> Stop that! <laughs> Never. You do that all the time. 
Yes. <laughs> like a child. <laughs> anyway, like, can you, you want to tell you want to tell your your pun yesterday? You want to tell the pun you said yesterday when you told oh, me? Oh yeah, because I was saying that I am watching the which I did. I watched the my DVD copy of uh, the documentary that came out for the making of this album. The mm-hmm. song came out, uh, and I said it's hey, it's on Tubi if you want to watch it. And you're like, yeah, I'm watching the Suns game. So I was like, ah, more like the Suns came out. <laughs> and they did. They won. <laughs> and About it was, freaking time, too. At, at, that point, at the point that you replied, or at the point that I sent it, it was like... It was what? like, because nah, I, I had a really long night. So. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, but I was like, that's a solid pun. I'm yeah. sending it. And then uh, Kristen asked uh, what record we were doing i told her um the sun came out and said that it was like uh cry the house invites wilco and a bunch of other musicians to new zealand to record an album and to which she replied oh so you had a real crowded house huh (laughs) (laughs) yes and then somebody came out of nowhere and played a rim shot and everybody was happy yes um yeah so I, I let's let's talk about you know this, again we're we're discussing projects outside of Wilco that Jeff Tweedy either you know his solo stuff which we're which we'll start to get into it's coming it's coming um, but then his collaborations outside of that and we're not talking you know just guested on an album we're talking you know highly involved in writing songs and and playing and singing and. And, and the so songs and, and the, the singing. songs and the singing. And <laughs> yes. Um, so one might wonder, why are we talking about this this sprawling album that came out in 2009 uh, called The Sun Came Out, which was put out under uh, the Seven Worlds Collide name, which to give some backstory to that, Seven Worlds Collide, for those who are, are not aware, and I don't know, you know, I would assume everybody who listens to this podcast um, knows exactly what I'm talking about when I say Seven Worlds Collide, which is uh, a line from the Crowded House song. Um, oh, boy. Am I going to... Am I going to spade? Thank you. God damn it. Yeah, it's uh, it's from the song... It's oh, from now Distant I get Sun. the title. <laughs> now you're getting it? Now I get the title. <laughs> That's another pun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, so Seven Worlds uh, I Collide. I thought it was because it's a song lyric. <laughs> I think it does come from the song lyric. It comes from the, the Reptile song. Yeah. yeah, it comes Yeah, from the Lisa Germano contribution. But uh, Seven Worlds Collide was the name given to a, a series of concerts that took place in Auckland, New Zealand in 2001. And I'm saying all this off the dome, by the way. I it's, know. Uh, You're so proud. I'm so proud. <laughs> I, I'm just going to sit back and... <laughs> Let me give you a little bit of a history lesson here, folks. So, Auckland 2001. Uh, I'm going to try to list all the artists off the top of my head, too. But Neil Finn sends an invite out to some musicians that he admires. Um, he And those, those include uh, members of Radiohead, uh, Ed O'Brien and Phil Selway. Um, uh who else have we got? We've got. Wait, he, are we he, talking about the 2001? We're talking about the 2000. We're talking about 2001. Uh, we got Johnny Marr comes in. 
uh, he of the the Smiths and um, I like in the documentary they call out Smiths and Modest Mouse when they say Johnny Marr yeah <laughs> he was in Modest Mouse for like one album um, but well uh, at the time that was a selling point for that uh, well I'm sure but you've also got uh, like I said Eddie Vedder comes in uh, you've got uh, his um, kind of part of the core band are, are Lisa Germano um, and uh, Sebastian Steinberg, who's from the band Soul Coughing, which I'm, I'm not really aware of, but um, that's oh. apparently where he's known from. Soul Coughing, you know who they are? I, oh, yeah. Okay. You don't know who Soul Coughing is? I do not. Oh, man. Okay. I, I've got so much to show you. Sounds like I have to check that out. Uh, Tim Finn was on there for some songs, both... Uh, covering some Finn Brothers stuff and doing some old uh, Split End songs. You've got, at that point, it was uh, uh, Liam Finn's band Betcha Dupa, which was on there. Uh, who else guests on that one? I think that's the core band. Um, but just, it, it, can't, it, it was uh, documented on a CD and a, a, a concert DVD, and just one of like the best fucking recordings I've ever heard. Same it's, here. It's, I really like the album. It's an amazing recording. Mm-hmm. So as, he, and as I talk about, there's something about a better trying to reach the high notes. The high notes and I see red. red. Yeah, it's 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 pretty great. Um, but then to, you know, even to just see him and uh, and and Neil Finn playing "Take a Walk" also is mm-hmm. is incredible. Uh, but yeah, so so you've got just a, a a stellar show there, and roughly ten years later, eight years later, uh, Neil gets the idea to to repeat the experiment, but this time to maybe see about you know having people bring songs together and and record an album. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the it the opening shot of the documentary says that it was. 20 musicians with 20 days to record an album. Um, and, and that's what they did. They, uh, they, they got all these musicians together, which I'll, I'll list off shortly, uh, and recorded an album over the span of, of slightly less than three weeks, near like over, over Christmas in, in New Zealand. Uh, and again, so, you know, he reaches, Neil Finn reaches out to collaborators from the, from the previous session. So, Lisa Germano and, and Sebastian Steinberg return. Johnny Marr returns. Ed O'Brien and Phil Selway return. Uh, but then he also, he mentions, you know, at the top of the, again, at the top of the film, that the entire Finn family is just huge fans of Wilco. So he's like, I just, on a lark, I took a chance and sent an email out, and they were down. I, I so, according to the Wikipedia thing that I read, mm-hmm. Um, I believe it's Kochi. So, I just want to mention real quick. Um, Go ahead. So this happened to coincide also with the reason, you know, like the, 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 the full real realization for this project was um, Neil Finn had uh, already a working partnership uh, relationship with the organization Oxfam. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they reached out to him and asked, you know, if he'd ever consider recording a charity album for them or in partnership with them. And he says, funny you should mention that. 
and it turns out to be this this project. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what you're about to allude to is that Kochi was a big Split Ends fan. Actually, no. It's actually... Um, oh, it's Pat Sansone. Nope. It's Stirrett. John Stirrett. Which is interesting because in the film, he doesn't say much about... He doesn't say much about it. It's Pat Sansone that says that talks about being a huge Split Ends fan and record. And I'm, um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read what Wikipedia okay. says. This All is right. according to an interview All with right. the NZPA, which I assume since it starts with NZ, it's a New Zealand. Zealand. Yeah, sure. Neil Finn came to us backstage when we were playing Chicago in 2008, and he had just had the idea of doing another Seven Worlds Collide, and invited us soon after that. I think he got introduced to us through his kids. And he thought we would be a good fit. It was wonderful. Neil was amazing. There are not many guys who can oversee a project like that. First of all, he owns a studio that has three functioning rooms in it with all the stuff. Not many people could have done that. And Neil is one. And maybe Paul McCartney would be the other guy who could do something <laughs> like that. I would like to add Pierre Gabriel could probably do something like that. Too. I bet he could pull it Well, off. he's got that real world thing in yeah. England. but. I'm interrupting the quote. Um, we had sketched the album out very well before arriving in New Zealand, but obviously the fact that we did do it so fast is probably representative of New Zealand because we were all really relaxed and we were having a lot of fun. So that's interesting because there are some, there are some slight discrepancies between that, that quote you read and the film. Um, Sturrod is not very vocal in the film. He, uh, he, he has a couple of interview points, but Patrick Sansone mentions having been a huge fan of Split Ends and how when he was in bands when he was younger, they would cover I Got You um, and so forth. And um, the, that's where the mention where Neil talks about sending the email. And then also uh, a lot of the musicians who show up talked about how he had mentioned you know bringing songs but their interpretation of that was well you know bring some sketches and then we'll all write together on site mm-hmm. <laughs> and so a lot of people showed up with incomplete or not you know not finished songs um and what uh to to the point of the studios they're the studio so neil finn's studios called roundhead studios mm-hmm. um and not pineapple head no um <laughs> yeah yeah i got gotcha. you uh, uh the uh I, I think the genesis of that is that if you look at neil finn he has kind of a roundish head yeah um he does <laughs> that hair though i'm sure somebody gave him the nickname of uh his hair though it's pre it's just it's so <laughs> it's very voluminous yes he's got yeah He's got a mane. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, so there's a point, uh, there's a couple of points. So not only did Neil invite the musicians to come, but he said, bring your families too. Mm-hmm. And so everybody was bringing their spouses and their kids. The entire Tweety family was there. Yep. Uh, Spencer gets a credit. Yeah. Well, yeah. He plays drums on some, on, um, on a couple of tracks, I think. And, uh, 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 but there's a, a scene where, where, where Tweety talks about the studio mm-hmm. and he's like, you know, when, when I saw the studio and, and, 
and I'm paraphrasing here, obviously, but he's talking about the setup and how great the rooms are and the gear and everything. And he's like, I thought, um, I, uh, I thought that, uh, that we had a good back in Chicago, but now seeing this place makes me want to go home and like toss all the all the gear in the river. <laughs> My God, <laughs> or in the lake or whatever. Yeah, pretty cool, huh? <laughs> yeah. So he he was pretty impressed. And all right, I want to go ahead and 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 call out the musicians on this album. So of course you've got Neil Finn and the entire Finn clan. So you've got his wife Sharon is on there. Yep. Uh, and his sons Neil, I'm sorry, his sons Liam and uh, and Elroy are on there, uh, and then you've also got uh, you've got the the guys from Wilco. Everybody from Wilco, I think, except for um, Mikhail Jorgensen and Nels Klein, right? Basically, well, yeah, no, Klein was a member back then, but he, he was a he yeah. was a member. Yeah, yeah, time. I'm just thinking like was he? Yeah, but. Yeah, he was because he joined after Sky Ghost Blue's, is Born was done. Ghost is Born, yeah, because yeah. his first album with them is Sky Blue Sky, right? Yeah. So, uh, but no, so it's it's those it's the it's Kochi, uh, Sturat, uh, Tweedy, and Sansone who show mm-hmm. up there. Uh, and then you've got KT Tunstall, uh, who I want to spend some some time talking about. For, well, yeah, for we a need to. Uh, Bick Runga. Uh, I, I think I already mentioned Johnny Marr, mm-hmm. Ed O'Brien, Phil Selway, Sebastian Steinberg. Um, we need to talk about Selway for a minute too. Uh, we we should, yeah, as his song plays in the background. Um, uh, Tim Finn is on there, but I'm I'm I he's not in the documentary, so his song must have been recorded uh, in a separate session, uh, which makes sense because if you look at the musicians in the liner notes, it's. Uh, it's evident that it was it was like his band that came in and recorded a track to to contribute. Uh, Don McGlashan, who I had not heard of outside of of this record, but his songs on on this on this album kick fucking ass. Um, he's it's a, a girl make your own mind up and um, oh my god, long that time gone. Amazing. Yes, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, so you've got that, and then I think that pretty much rounds it out. Um, and then you've got some some session or some you know s- their various children and spouses also play on the album. Who's who's Don McGlashan? Don McGlashan, yeah. Um, okay, so New Zealand. Yeah, I look- for his membership in the bands Blam Blam Blam, the Front Lawn, and the Munbirds before going solo. Yeah, so I, I looked up his Wikipedia article last yeah. night too, but he's yeah he's you know he's, he's apparently very famous in New Zealand and he's got some songs that are considered the best songs of you know like the best New Zealand songs of all time, um, and hearing his songs on this album makes me want to try to find some of his other music because they're they're really good. So I want to read this. Uh, this is Neil Finn's note about the the um from the liner notes about the album he says this album was lovingly constructed over three weeks by a highly energized group of talented people it was a rare pleasure and privilege to wander the studios stairways and corridors of round hit studios here in auckland and be a witness to this musical outpouring in between spirited music making we cavorted and caroused no one was no one was lost in the surf or on the road to piha and the sun came out 
We now hand it out to the good people at Oxfam. Our hope is that many people will respond to these songs, money will be raised, and opportunities created for helping people out of poverty. So, um, so that's that. But yeah, I mean, so the documentary which I watched last night, and I, I highly recommend it. By the way, it's it's I'm a, gonna it's, check it out. it's a it's a definite treat because you get to hear, you know, you get to see all these people collaborating together and it's, it's absolutely fantastic. They just, most of it, there, there are cutaways to some of the, the live show that they did. And that's also great, but just a lot of the musicians interacting and recording and some of the stuff that, you know, you get to see Glenn Kochi in action and all Mm -hmm. the different like weird shit that he does to his drums to get these crazy sounds out of them. And, um, and to, you know, to see Tweedo, Tweety being in the studio and how kind of like a, uh, he's just kind of like a joker in the studio. And um, to like see Neil overseeing it all and interacting with everybody. And he's like this great godfather of music. It's, <laughs> it's just an incredibly... Look at what I have created. <laughs> I mean, kind of, but he's not, he's not like that. He just seems like this really laid back dude. And he's mm. just enjoying having these people around. And you can see how much you know, his wife, Sharon, is all happy about having these people around making music and their kids running around. And Would you like some cocoa? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um, Oh, Glenn, you did such a good job. Would you like some eggnog? <laughs> it's, it's not like that. <laughs> Jesus. But, um, on, so... It's kind of funny. <laughs> yes. Um, what was I going to... Uh, oh, so some highlights that I had down from, from the... I think I mentioned most of them already, but from the documentary is Ed O'Brien from Radiohead talking about how great the guys from Wilco are. He's like, and they're great musicians and everything, but they're not like, you know, wankers. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And then like, you see like probably the next, (laughs) the next thing with being with like Jeff Twee going, Jeff Twee, not a wanker. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been, that would have been good. That would have been something Edgar Wright would have done in the Sparks Brothers. Like, you oh, have yeah. a... Yes. You yeah, have the title a, card. Yeah, yeah. the title card. Like, <laughs> yeah, not a wanker. <laughs> Raw male. Not a wanker. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, that definitely would have been. Um, and, oh, also the, the other thing about the documentary is that there's another Tweety song that you see them recording mm-hmm. that doesn't make the album... So there's a lost Tweety track somewhere, and it's got a very different energy from the two that are that he contributes. Um, it's kind of like this very energized, uh, almost, uh, I mean, pretty solid rocking song. And I don't, hearing it last night, I don't think it ever surfaced anywhere. I, I haven't seen it collected anywhere on in you know the various box sets that have come out. Yeah. Um, Granted, they haven't done one for that particular era of Wilco. Um, it's coming, though. You know that. Like, it's got to be coming. Well, I mean, the next the next album for them to tackle is A Ghost is Born. Yeah. Uh, and it'll be interesting. I, I wonder... I wonder if we'll get a Yankee Hotel Foxtrot type 
retrospective of a the way they're board. going. I mean, I'm looking at your thing right now, and like, well, you're not looking at my thing right now. That's safely tucked away. Yeah. Um, but I'm looking. At <laughs> you're looking at the Ye- local Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Well, box no, set. but I see like the summer teeth one right next to it, and then yeah. being being there I, right I just don't. It. I don't think that because then there's like AM, which is like small by comparison. <laughs> Well, that's not a special edition of AM. That's just AM on vinyl. Um, but it also, if it it does follow the kind of the, the the CD version of the, you know, there's a lot of being there stuff, and there's a lot of Summer Teeth stuff. But the the AM anniversary reissue, I think, just has like five or six extra tracks, okay. um, outtakes and things. So I don't think there was as much material from that that era, yeah. or the stuff that was from that era made it onto the uh the b-side spot like the the uh alpha mike foxtrot yeah the that box all right so let's talk the music okay because there you know as you know there are only two songs that tweety has lead vocals on um but this is on this which are you yeah, never I, know. It's an early version right. of You Never Know. Um, before we do this, I do need to point out to our listeners that there are two versions of this record. Um, there's a single disc and a double disc version. I only listen to the single disc version. So you have an incomplete uh, on, on this the, album. None of the Tweety stuff's on the second disc. No, it's not. Uh, both of his songs are on the second disc. I've only heard the two disc version because I bought it when it came out. Oh, um, of course you, you know, Yeah, not not to brag, but... Yeah. <laughs> it's for charity. Because <laughs> I'm a fan. I do for your charity. Oxfam's a really good organization, guys. <laughs> well, I, to be fair, so there are some things in here. Um, there's the Oxfam note. Since, not, since you're, you know, since you're poking fun at it, Oxfam... I'm not poking fun no, at Oxfam. I'm poking fun at you. Oxfam International. Um, let's see. Oxfam fights for justice and equality in over 100 countries, campaigning for change, providing emergency support, and finding ways to eradicate poverty. Um, and then one of the major issues Oxfam works on is climate change. Millions of the poorest people are already suffering its harmful effects. Oxfam is campaigning for rich nations to take their responsibility to cut emissions and to provide poor communities with the money to help them, uh, help them cope with the harmful effects. Oxfam also helps directly, for example, in Bangladesh, where higher and more frequent flooding are forcing people to move uh, move home up to live, uh, people to move home up to five times in a year. Uh, and you are helping, too. With the purchase of this album, you have contributed to Oxfam's fight against global poverty. I contributed to Oxfam's fight against global poverty. What have you done? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Listen here, my friend. I've listened to you. USA. I've listened you, to We Are the World. You you you, stream, you you streamed the first disc on i on uh, Apple Music. <laughs> you want to hear uh, you want to hear something cool? Uh, sure. Something cool that's kind of mildly related to this sort of thing. Sure. So on Thursday night, I, I watched this documentary on Dionne Warwick. Um, oh yeah, I saw that on Letterboxd that you saw that. Yeah. Because I pay attention to those things. Yeah. Should have liked it, motherfucker. Whatever. Eh. I'm not a liker. <laughs> as as you well know. And, and the women you date will tell you that you're not a lover either. Hey. Hey, hey, oh. hey. Hey. Cheap shot, man. 
Wait. <laughs> Yeah, what, what, what is, do you, do you want to poke fun at the you know fact that I live alone with my cat at 40 years old? <laughs> you want to take some shots at that too? Huh, funny guy? Uh, <laughs> funny I guy! I <laughs> what, that funny? Is that amusing to you? <laughs> no, yeah. um... God. Am I a clown to you? <laughs> do, I, <laughs> do I amuse you? <laughs> Go full Pesci. Oh my God. Um, anyway, so yes, you were you were saying. So they spent um, they spent a lot of time because I mean they can't really focus on Psychic Friends Network if they want probably because uh, if they wanted Dionne Warwick to be to be part of the documentary. Mm. <laughs> um, but they mentioned in the same breath as her bankruptcy that her song "That's What Friends Are For." The one that she did, because Backrack wrote it for Night Shift, mm-hmm. the movie Night Shift, but she did it with Stevie her, Wonder and, and Elton John yeah. and Glass Knight and mm-hmm. um, all those guys. So um, she during the documentary, they take her to the AIDS organization that they're raising the money for, and it eludes me at this time. But they said that, that song... Up to this point, and it's what been. At this point, it's been like forty years. It's been nearly. It's been thirty-five years, I think. It's think been it was, longer than that because yeah. this uh, night shift was eighty-three, but they re- recorded the song in eighty-six. Is that eighty-three? Night shift was eighty-three, I think. Okay. And then they recorded the song. Dion recorded the song in eighty-six, and um. So that she is raised for Amphar, that's the organization, Mm -hmm. just from the royalties of that song, over $15 million. That's pretty incredible. And I think We Are the World, and this is off the top of my head, has raised over like $80 million from that song. Wow. Um, So that's like no small feat. So even this album, which didn't even chart in America. Which is insane to me. You look at the people that are on this album. Well, I, I take that back. So it's not insane because you've got, you know, at, at that point, even probably what arguably the most famous artist noted on here anyway is Katie Tunstall at that point, And she's already passed her biggest hit making days. Wilco. Wilco, yes. But Wilco. But they didn't really do in America. I don't recall them making a big deal about this. No, it's interesting that it kind of it kind of came out to very little fanfare. Yeah, which is considering the the talent that's on here and the the strength of the songs too, because they're they're which we're about to get into, but they're they're strong songs. I just want to mention quickly that this was um, uh, made in, also in association with uh, Carbon Zero uh, in New Zealand to. Uh, that Seven Worlds Collide and Oxfam take sustainability seriously, which is why we took the steps to achieve carbon zero certification, the first greenhouse gas certification scheme uh, to receive international accreditation under the auspices of the International Accreditation Forum. This means that the Seven Worlds Collide carbon footprint has been verified against a global standard that is accepted in 50 major world economies. Okay. So it's good for global warming. Yeah. Yeah, pretty 
pretty solid. So, so you know, I was gonna say like I don't re- like a Neil Finn's solo record gets a little more ink than this, and I think the headline here that Selway sings a sings a song like would be enough alone to get Rayhead Nation <laughs> to like pick this up, um, you know, or at least get some chart action. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm surprised this didn't chart. So, I mean, Wilco was still pretty popular at the time too. Like this is right before it's right after sky blue sky and right before Wilco the album, it comes out the same year as Wilco the album. Yeah. Because as we mentioned that the, um, the song, um, I don't, um, you never know. You never know. Um, without Which, the ooh wah wah was yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's I, I prefer the the Wilco the album version, but it's there's this is a pretty good decent version yeah. on this. Well, they only had three weeks, Jared. I, hey, hey. They I'm didn't sorry. have to. Th- they probably what, didn't think of the ooh wah was. You're talking to somebody who loves this fucking album, so. <laughs> uh, somebody who helped Oxfam by buying it at the time it came out. <laughs> if I had known about it, as I have just explained before, mm-hmm. I probably would have purchased it. Um, but that's you all know right. What? I mean, I had my I had my finger on the pulse of the fin doings at the time, and I was like, yeah. "I'm getting this," you know. Yeah. Thanks, Dickweed. <laughs> what the fuck? Um, this will also be the last Mental Platypus episode. <laughs> <laughs> But no, so I, I just want to talk about anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, let's not air our grievances in public. Uh, so Tweety is credited uh, with soul songwriting credits on "You Never Know," and then um, th- "What Could Have Been," which uh, this is the only place that you can get "What Could Have Been," which I think is a, a fantastic song. Yeah, it's a very quiet. Um, there's which is uh, it, it's interesting to to have drum machine feature uh, when you've got Glenn Kochi on drums as well. Um, but yeah, what what could have been is is a great little quiet song um, that almost I mean to me it almost sounds like it could have come out of uh, it would have it would have come out of a Ghost Is Born. Yeah, it would have been like a uh, Ghost Is. It would have sat well on a Ghost Is Born. If they had also put in some atmospherics and dra- dragged it out to like seven mm-hmm. minutes long, yeah, I think um, I think the biggest thing that the biggest impression I got listening to the Tweety songs is that I I personally have never I've never seen the influence that Split Ends and Crowded House has in music. I mean, I like them. Yeah, there's never going to be another band like these bands. No. Um, Except probably in New Zealand, where I, I mean, maybe I, I am no, I, um, but, um, for about the first half of the record that I listened to, because I didn't realize it was on the same time. Oh, was it? Yeah, that the random feature was on when I was streaming, so that Oxen could get their point oh oh one cent. <laughs> yeah. It adds up, man. It adds yeah. up. Well, of course. Um, but um, the thing that I 
notices that the influence Cry House has on the people. Yeah. The, especially like Wilco. I'm like, going, oh, wow. Like, like there's, I never thought about it that way that Cry House and Split Hands could be considered influential. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, you know, I knew. I knew you knew. <laughs> I knew you knew. And the thing is, I should have known. Yeah. So. Um, but I wanted to uh, talk about some of the other contributions that Tweety makes on this album. So uh, where what we have on in the background right now, which I think is a fantastic song by Neil Finn, mm-hmm. uh, All Comedians Suffer. Yes. Uh, it's... All the electric guitar work on this was this on your version of the? No, this wasn't. On, but I, oh, I know so this. yeah, okay. But I I'm aware of his contributions to the song. So Tweety's electric guitar solo. He's he's mm-hmm. the the lead guitarist on this song, mm-hmm. and we've talked before about how that was something that I missed after Nels Klein joined the band because A Ghost Is Born features the most lead guitar work uh, in a single Wilco record mm-hmm. from Jeff Tweety. And I, I think he's, he's a very inventive lead guitarist, uh, what he comes up with to, to do for things. And that song, you know, just, I, I, it, it's, I already like the song, but Tweety's playing on that song, just kick it up an extra level for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and even listening to it now, I'm like, oh, holy, like, I should have listened to the second disc. <laughs> yeah, you'll, 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 yeah. I, 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 I think you'll enjoy the entire album. Yeah. So because you also missed the Tim Finn song, Riding the Wave, which is a really, really good song. Um, and no, it must have been during that session. You just don't see Tim Finn on on the documentary because the band for that is, is Tim Finn on vocal, piano, and, um, and acoustic guitar. And then you've got Neil Finn on acoustic guitar, slide guitar, and harmony, Elroy Finn on drums, Liam Finn on harmonies, Sebastian Steinberg on bass, Johnny Morrow on electric guitar, and uh, Pat Sanson on Hammond organ. So he must have just shown up without and not been on camera. But um, also highlight contributions for Tweety are the first song on the album, Too Blue, yeah. the Johnny Marr contribution, uh, I, I I've never really gotten into Johnny Marr as a as a solo artist um, and and vocalist. He just he just doesn't do it for me. His guitar is what I like. Yeah, well, and that's what he's he's best known for. But uh, it's the song. The song is credited to Marr and Tweety, and from the documentary, it's it's mostly Tweety mm-hmm. writing the lyrics. The the um, the the music is by Marr. Uh, and and then Tweety's contribution is is the lyrics on that one. By the way, yeah. Speaking of Johnny Marr, did you know he plays on the score for the No Time to Die soundtrack? I had no idea. The more you know. Yeah. Dun 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 dun. <laughs> Rainbow star shooting across the screen. Uh, I love that movie. I oh no time to die. Yeah. Okay. 
I I I know there are a lot of people who have their problems with it. You you apparently among them. I I'm still it still hasn't. I still haven't got I, it. The end of that movie. Yeah. The end of that movie got me. That's, That's the thing I still haven't made do with it yet. I like that movie up until. I would argue that it's the best. Out of the entire franchise, it's the best last Bond film of an actor. Oh, yeah. Mm, I would. Um, well, I because don't know. Does License to Kill count? Because well, we didn't know. That's the thing is that I think it's probably the only one where they they didn't know they tried to give him a send off because yeah. Moore's last film is just is just another Bond film. Mm-hmm. Um, Brosnan's well, last Bond done. film. Well, yeah, but there, it's it's also there's no send off like there is in No Time to Die. Yeah, none of the last Bond films of any of the other actors have a kind of of like conscious send off of the actor or the character. Well, yeah, no one's like ever like said goodbye Sean or anything, but they knew you only live twice was going to be his last until it wasn't. Until yeah, until never yeah. Never they say knew, never again. <laughs> they knew and and then and diamonds are forever. Yes. Um and they knew that a view of killer was going to be Moore's last. Right. Um but um it um Oh, so you didn't hear this one either. Oh, I've heard this one. Hazel Black was on the one. Yes, this was on the one I listened to. Okay. So, um, yeah, I, uh, um, I'm glad we're getting back to this. Okay. Because, um, otherwise we're going to go down the James Bond. Yeah. yeah, And we, we we won't. So we'll never come back. (laughs) Let's drop the 007. Cause this is KT Tunstall, right? Yes. Cause this song fucking slaps (sighs) and it slaps hard. Yes. So here are my, can I take, tell you my big surprises on this? Do you want to know? Well, okay, but do you want to first have your mind blown by the fact that this was one of the incomplete songs that KT Tunstall was writing on site to contribute to the album? Mm. And from the documentary, you learned that um, she saw Neil Finn walking by and stopped him and said, hey, you know, do you want to help me out with this song? And Neil Finn's like, well, I've had a few. Um, <laughs> and then he came in and she says the chorus is the result of Neil Finn after he's had a few. Oh my God. Yeah. But can we also talk about just how underrated KT Tunstall has oh, been? Oh, I will talk about that all fucking day. Let's get into it. Yeah. I For those that are obviously not here while we're recording, I've just like slammed down the liner notes for this album because I'm ready to get down to it. I, I mean, like... my I, Go go ahead, because no, I have... Because there's this track. There's her first two albums, yes. um, which I have enjoyed the fuck out of. Like, and still go back to every so often. And... I don't find this to be like an embarrassing thing for her, but she's on the soundtrack to Pete the Cat. <laughs> so my kids That's know great. who KT Tunstall is. <laughs> and you know what songs that they like? The KT Tunstall songs. <laughs> and yes, they are sung by a cat <laughs> who is supposed to be in a punk band. <laughs> uh-huh. But they kick ass. And that is because... and. This is with Diana Krall uh-huh. and Elvis Costello playing, yeah, playing on also on the soundtrack. Okay, so KT Tunstall's 
you know, undervaluing, you know, is overshadowing our boy. Right. Yeah. So. Well, okay. So I want to say I I I was aware of Katie Tunstall when she came out and had the the big hit, mm-hmm. um, and I it was played to death, um, and I was like, I you know what? I've heard this song way too many times. I have no interest in this. It's just you know, it's it's gonna be a one hit wonder kind of deal. And then Drastic Fantastic came out, which is the second album. And I fucking love that album. So good. It is. I, I listen to that. There's there's not a dud in the entire album. No. It's this great like glam rock send up. And it's it, it's it just totally fucking slaps. I, mm-hmm. I highly recommend that album. And then also later on in her career, she's got. Uh, an album that she recorded, uh, I want to say recorded in Tucson, with Hal Gelb. Oh, really? Yeah. Let me pull that up for you because it's... Uh, I'm having trouble remembering the name of it. It's, it's like Crescent something something. Um, and this is the Tim Finn song. Let's see. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, Invisible Empire Crescent Moon. Okay. Uh, that's the... That is the... Uh, came out in 2013. And... Yeah, recorded some in Bristol, England, but also in Wave Lab Studios in Tucson, produced by Hal Galb and KT Tunstall. Yeah, great album. If you go, you should you should check, I should that, check out. that out. Yeah. Um, the other big surprise for me on this record, mm-hmm. um, and I guess it shouldn't be, but I'm just not familiar with her work. Um, the song "Reptile." Oh, the um, uh, Lisa, Lisa Germano. Germano song. Yeah. Like she's starting with "From Was Not Was," right? In the beginning. Um, I don't remember. Like I know I'm, I should know her being a. Um, she plays. You know where I always remember her from is that she plays uh, fiddle or violin or something on um, paper, paper and fire. The, yeah, the John Mellencamp track. Um, and she's guested on two Bowie albums, or on one Bowie album. So I mean, I'm I pulled up her her Wikipedia thing here, but she's she does mm-hmm. get known. As a violinist. Yeah. Germano was working as a violinist when rock singer John Mellencamp invited her to play on his album. For seven years, she toured and recorded as a member of Mellencamp's band. So she's on um, The Lonesome Jubilee, Big Daddy, Falling from Grace, which is the the soundtrack for his uh, written and directed feature. Um, (laughs) Well, no, wait. Did he write it? I think that one is actually um, Larry McMurtry. He wrote the script but he directed yeah Mellencamp directed it but McMurtry wrote the script yeah uh and she's on Human Wheels and Dance Naked as well she played the violin at the Yankee Stadium concert for Billy Joel oh wow uh and during the 80s she also appeared on albums by Simple Minds and Indigo Girls yeah um like I'm looking like at her guest stars like her guest appearances it's pretty crazy she's had a really incredible career I need to I need to check out her uh, for some reason, the one that sticks in my head is Lullaby for Liquid Pig. Um, and she's done, like, movie soundtracks, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, she's done, uh, I think she did, like, for a couple Michael Mann movies. 
Oh, and she was... I think she was um, like Insider. She also worked with Giant Sand for a while. Wow. Yeah. For Talking some about reason, I Gell. thought she was with Not Was, not was but maybe... I'm not seeing that in here. Yeah, I um, don't think that's the case. But yeah, she's great. Yeah, she's great, and she's got uh, she's got a song on the that Seven Worlds Collide live album too. Yeah, and she, which is also fantastic. But paper, that reptile song. Yeah, I'm just like I'm in the car, mm-hmm. on my way, you know, going where I'm going. I'm like, holy! And I'm like, this song like is amazing. Yeah, um, it's got mood. <laughs> it really does, and it it's it's an interesting. And this is the one that has Spencer Tweedy on drums. Oh, really? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Because that song kicks ass. And then the background vocals, uh, Tweedy is on. Because all I, the Tweedies I, are on. I mean, you want, um, if Oxfam wants to make some money, mm-hmm. that should have been released as a single. <laughs> that would have been interesting. I think Hazel Black should have been released as a single. That too. It wasn't. Hazel Black's that, great. Yeah. Uh, did you hear it was Black Silk Ribbon on the yeah, version yeah. you listened to? I that's that's a co write between Tunstall and Runga. Uh and that song is fucking amazing too. I'll tell you what songs are on I'll tell you what songs are on the one disc. Girl Make Your Own Mind Up, is that one on there? Um yes. Uh Tweety plays the guitar solo on that one too. So I have two blue, You Never Know, Lil by Lil, Learn to Crawl. Girl, make your own mind up, which kicks ass. It's a obviously. great song. Yes. Yeah. Hazel Black, Red Wine Bottle, Black Silk Ribbon, Run the Dust, um, Ties That Bind Us, What Could Have Been, good one. Yeah. Duxton Blues and Reptile. Okay. So you've got, you've basically, they, they put the two Mar songs on there and the two Tweety songs on the single disc version. Mm-hmm. Um, Little by little, I think is actually a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. That's I, have you heard the is um, it Pajama Club? I think it's Pajama Club. Is the as a the album that of all Neil and Sharon Finn? Oh no! Yeah, so they put out an album together that kind of came out of uh, these writing sessions they were doing um, just for fun. It's like they've got two grown kids now who are out of the house, and so yeah. they spend their nights like drinking wine and making music. They're in the family business. Yeah. So let's just... Yes. Yeah. I mean, and so that's you want to talk about hashtag couple goals. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how incredible would that be to you know be Neil and Sharon? Finn? You're looking for the Sharon to your Neil. I I would love to find the Sharon to my Neil. Yeah, it's a a, a Neil in a haystack, if you will. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> sons came out, huh? <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, but I there's so I I think that this. I don't know. We can start wrapping up this album because we are an hour over an hour into the episode. And I, I think this is an incredible set. This mm. it's probably honestly my favorite of all the albums that we've talked about in this series so far. So far. Yeah. This is probably. And we were talking about like super groups. Like mm-hmm. this is a fucking super group. This is mm-hmm. twenty musicians. That's you know, even though it's you know, if a, a charity album like this, normally you get 
people contributing various songs and everything like that, but it's not a combined recording effort. Mm-hmm. I don't really know of anything else that's quite like this. No. Um, it's definitely unusual. And again, like this should have, in the States, this should have been a bigger deal. It should have been a bigger deal. It could have devolved into chaos. It could have been a total mess. The fact that it's like this cohesive whole. Yeah. That I can, I can say that it's, Wilco doing a crowd house album and be kind of right. But you know, obviously I'm, it's too, but you're also very wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's doing a disservice to all the other artists that are contributing here. I agree. And the fact that they, they meld, they meld like they do. I mean, and that is, I mean, that is largely attributable, attributable, I think to the, to the guys from Wilco. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they can slot into, to play just about any type mm-hmm. of pop music and sound like the greatest session musicians of all time. I mean, we're talking about <laughs> the wrecking crew kind of level, right? Yes. I mean, they if if they ever decide that they don't want to record their own stuff anymore, they could just hire themselves out as a studio band <laughs> and make killer fucking records. Let, let me know how that turns out. <laughs> I'm just saying. I know. I know that uh, that Wilco. You know that Jeff Tweedy listens to this, um, and their you know their management listens to this podcast, obviously. Um, and they, I'm sure they he's would caught wind and is mildly offended. Um, they 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 they, they they're going to take my advice. And I'm just saying, guys, if you get tired of going on the road and recording your own songs, you know, just just consider this that you could have a a very lucrative. Um, second chapter to your career as, as session musicians. <laughs> I'm sure Dave caught wind are mildly offended by our dubious. Uh, uh, I would hope not. This has been pretty, I would say this has been other than damning um, uh, the, the, the last uh, uh, golden smog album as kind of meh. Uh, yeah. This has been nothing but a love fest for, for Tweety. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this this thing could have just fallen apart. Like it could have just, it, you know, it could have been clashing egos. It could have been, it could have been, you know, uh, people that that couldn't figure out how to play well together. It could have been a total fucking mess. And yet, it sounds like exactly what we say is we've said in other episodes is the best version of a supergroup album mm-hmm. which is that it sounds like they're having fun yeah. and you can feel that coming through the speakers and even when there are more maudlin moments and there are you know slower songs and things like that it's you can still feel in the music that there's a joy to making it mm-hmm. and when you watch the documentary and you see what a good time everybody's having and everybody happy to be in this setting, making music together and having their families around them. And it being like this big party kind of atmosphere um, that like, I, I've never heard of anything else that's quite like it. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I agree. And, and um, I know that Neil Finn and his management listen to this podcast too. Oh, sure. Yes. Yeah. And I do, I did hear, um, that I did hear a rumor that for the next Seven Worlds Collide project, they're going to do podcasters. <laughs> um, seven podcasts collide. <laughs> yeah. And um, 20 podcasters to get together and have 20 yeah. days to put together. Yeah. 
One podcast for Oxfam. For our, yeah. <laughs> Brought to you by stamps.com. <laughs> and Squarespace. <laughs> so this is the other, like, this is the main Big Runga contribution to this album. Yeah. And it fucking rules. Yeah, it, it's so funny. We, I think we were talking about her last week, too. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was on mic or after the show, but um, the fact that... Uh, you know, she's still kicking ass after her peak American Pie soundtrack days. Yeah. Um, is, is pretty great, too. And contributing it and also a great song. But, um, yeah, I, I, I just want, going back to my, my earlier comment slash joke, mm-hmm. you know, Neil, if you're listening, we would like to be in the consideration for Seven Podcast Clyde. Of course, yes. Our services are available. Yeah. You want these dulcet tones on that, uh, yeah. on that collaboration. <laughs> now, uh, so just to highlight again here too, this change of heart um, on uh, when they're talking about the recording of this on the documentary, mm-hmm. Big Ringo is talking about how you know she felt kind of like uh, you know she had this kind of country waltz tune, mm-hmm. and how you know being from New Zealand, feeling like. Uh, like she was not the not the best person to record it necessarily, but then the fact that she recorded it with with um, Neil Finn is on piano, but other than that, it's um, John Stewart playing bass, uh, Pat Sansone playing Hammond organ, and Glenn Kochi playing drums, and it oh, sounds wow. like it sounds like fucking killer, you mm-hmm. know. Um, other highlights here. So what you probably didn't get from the one disc version is over and done which is mm-hmm. a john stewart song yep um and don't don't forget me which is a pat sansone song uh which makes me think have you heard much of the autumn defense no but i've heard of them so it's the two of them together it's basically their side project where they get to to highlight their songs outside of wilco because mm-hmm. of course wilco's jeff tweedy um they don't really have much in the way of songwriting contribution to it outside of the contributing to music. But, um, um, they, they, uh, the autumn defense stuff has a very, uh, Laurel Canyon sound to it. Okay. Uh, so if you, if you dig that kind of like, you know, singer songwriter seventies kind of sound, I, I think you would really dig their Jackson Brown, their output. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, so I don't really have much else to say about this, um, other than there is one song on the, on this double disc version called Three Worlds Collide. Um, that it's the is instrumental. It's, it's the, um, it's, it's the, the argument for, okay, we don't need everybody necessarily to have a track on this yeah. album. It's, the, it's, it, it's credited to the three drummers. It's, it's Kochi, mm-hmm. Selway, and um, uh, what's his name? And the Pitchfork review I read of the double disc version. Neil Balduck, yeah. yeah um, they, they had said it's a little too overstuffed. It, the second disc is like it. The, the second disc has, has a couple of yeah. them that I would lose. Yeah. But overall, it's, it's still more, pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, seriously. Um, but. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, and we should probably also highlight 
um, Bodhisattva Blues. Oh, yeah. Which is uh, credited to Ed O'Brien and Liam Finn. And it's... Um, you learn from the 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 track that or from the documentary that it's it was um musically Ed O'Brien had these riffs that he was playing with for years mm-hmm. and then brought that with him and then Liam Finn contributed the rest of it like oh, had nice. to pull it together and and write the the lyrics for it um and it was based on a um like a a a, a chant that he had heard um, that Ed O'Brien had heard and had then set to a, a three chord blues. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Liam Finn, he's not a wanker. No, Liam Finn's not a wanker. Speaking <laughs> of which, Red Wine Bottle, I think is a great song, mm-hmm. uh, which w- that was on your version, right? Yeah. yeah. But that's, yeah. And has, is co-credited to Finn and, and Johnny Marr uh, and Chris Garland. But that also features features Wilco members. Um, but I love the way that one comes together. And not wankers. Yeah, not wankers. Anyhow, <laughs> probably one of the best credits on the entire thing, though, or maybe possibly in all of liner notes, is that on Learn to Crawl, Jeff Tweedy is credited as disembodied voice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, you know, I think it's evident that my love for this album and high, high recommendation of it has come through. Do you have any parting thoughts on this? No. Um, this is definitely the best one we've reviewed so far. I would say it's absolutely the highlight of the series. I think if you can find the documentary, like I said, it's on Tubi. Um, it's a fascinating... I think it's a great music documentary and getting to see all these people interact and the experience of recording that album and getting to see that, uh, absolutely worth it. Yeah. I'm sure that has something to do with your bias against the Finns or Wilco. Uh, What do you mean bias against bias for? No, I didn't say bias against. I I just said said bias bias. against. Yeah. Bias. One word. Yeah. 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 No, it has nothing to do with it at all. The fact that it's just, I'm like, you know, basically, uh, sitting there seeing my favorite musicians uh, just rock hard the entire documentary. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you realize that, like, speaking of Pierre Gabriel again, uh-huh. like Pierre Gabriel did, you know, scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. The one, the one album being him covering other artists and then those artists uh-huh. in turn covering his songs. Yes. Yeah. You realize that, like, this was a much more successful venture than that. But, I mean, I wouldn't... I remember when those albums came out, I, I wouldn't say that it was... It was even... I, he, I wouldn't, he I wouldn't never compare knew. it. Like, I wouldn't, wouldn't compare you wouldn't it compare, to this. Well, yeah, because it's two totally different things. The projects but, are very different, yeah. But, I mean, like, I only think of... The reason why I didn't think of it is because he covered... Cool spirit, um, fade out. Okay, um, for that record, and I don't remember, and I, I think it was like maybe Ed or somebody, someone from where I had, mm-hmm. I think, ended up contributing something to that. Gotcha. But it's like Bowie didn't do a cover, and he covered a Bowie song. Yeah. Um, Burn covered the song. Lou Reed, um, covered Salisbury Hill and kind of made it his. 
Yeah. Um, like, they're not doing it for charity. He's just doing it, like, I think because, A, he needs the money. And because it would be it is interesting to hear what an artist like Lou Reed would do with something like Salisbury Hill. Yeah. Um, but I think something like this is definitely. This is, by the way, this is that other Don McGlashan song. Yeah. It, it fucking rules. Like, it's just, I think the way that the, the projects are similar is that Peter Gabriel covered songs by artists he loves. Mm-hmm. And he did it in the hopes of returning a favor. Sure, or getting a favor return. Getting a favor yeah. return. Yeah, I think, and Neil writing to artists that he loves, mm-hmm. or Liam or Elroy, sure. <laughs> um, and in the hopes that there's a trip to New Zealand sure. over Christmas. Yeah, I think bring the family, bring yeah. the family, and I think, in terms of that project, he got a better response. Oh, well, and I think, I don't know. Personally, I, I've heard those Gabriel albums. I think this is a better, this is a better realization of that kind of thing. Like yeah. I said, I, I just. I, I, oh, no, I that's what I'm trying to say is yeah. that this is a better, that this, he got a better, more creative and cohesive response. Yeah. Because um, it's um, that um, Pierre Gabriel record can, even the Pierre Gabriel tracks are, are yeah. kind of. Yeah, no, I've I've heard him. Yeah, but I it's interesting. I don't think you know. I don't know. Neil Finn seems to be one of those universally loved figures. Anybody who's worked with him or or interacted with him seems to just have nothing but good things to say about. That's because he's a Kiwi man. He's very laid back. Yeah, he's got that. He's got that New Zealand vibe. It's like a step above Canadian. Oh, the nicest factor. So I've got to find. Um. I wonder if there's anything about it on here. The so the the other thing about that documentary is that over the credits, um, you've got the guy who played um, the manager in um, Reese Darby. Flight of the Concords. Yeah, Reese Darby. Yeah, in character, <laughs> um, talking about he's talking about the guys. You know, the I'm not going to try a New Zealand accent, but he's talking about you know. You know the the boys from Wilco and how he could see managing them. He's like, you know, they're they're good kids. Um, I see a real future for them. I like to bring them out for some small venues and you know, like I'm talking really small. There's you know some elevators in the building that I manage and <laughs> he's um, busking. Uh, that's an honest. Uh, <laughs> the new Taika Waititi what, movie. They released the trailer. Oh, what's I don't think I've seen that. Um, well, because you don't watch trailers, dumbass. Uh, all right, all right. <laughs> Remember, I don't watch trailers. I, I don't want room for me. I usually don't watch them independently of sitting and seeing them in the theater. I right. think trailers are meant to be seen in the theater. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, Reese Darby makes a brief appearance in it. Okay. So the movie is about um, this USA soccer coach who um, gets fired. Oh, okay. And he has two options. Be fired mm-hmm. or go coach American Samoa. Every <laughs> <laughs> sort of like like you're fine. But you got two options. <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, like Michael Fa- a bleach blonde Michael Fassbender's kinda of looking at him like, What? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I I I'm a huge fan of YTD's, yeah, yeah, his his films. I, I, I will still 
roundly defend Jojo Rabbit. I think it's a great film. I like Jojo um, Rabbit. I think The Hunt for the Wilder People is a is a great film as well. That's the blind spot for um, me. It's yeah, Sam Neill fucking rules in that. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. What's your recommendation this week? Yeah, let's get into that. Uh, so my recommendation for the week is going to be Seven Worlds Collide. Uh, well, came out. Uh, we've been talking about that, so no, it's not. Uh, although I do highly recommend it. My recommendation, you know, we're talking about Marin briefly. Is uh, I just finished reading Sam Lipsight's novel, The Ask. Oh yeah, uh, came out it's came out a while one. ago. Yeah, it, it is. I have read several other books of his that I think are great. I think Lipside is just a great writer in yeah. general. I read Homeland. I read Home- Homeland years ago. Yeah. Uh, I really like that book. Venus Drive, Subject Steve. Uh, read both of those. Those are also outstanding. He's just very effortlessly dry, witty, mm-hmm. uh, great, but, you know, um, in in a way that it, it's subtle enough where the humor surprises. I mean, mm-hmm. that's not his main goal. He just happens to be very dry. Um, but the ask is fantastic. If you, if you haven't read that, that's my recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one. I think I definitely have not read that one, but it's only been on my list for quite some time. It's, he's the sort of writer where when I read him, I get excited about writing. Yeah. And that, those are, those are always my favorite writers. Um, and so, I mean, I've I've kind of been alternating recently between reading him and reading Laurie Moore, um, mm-hmm. who, whom I've recommended fairly recently as well. Uh, and I would say that uh, that this is another just outstanding uh, novel by yeah. the Sam Lipsight. And yeah, I mean, it's an oldie, but if you haven't read it, it's called The Ask. It's I'm sure widely available and uh yeah, I, I i recommend checking that out but yeah so that's that's my primary recommendation the ask and also uh revisit this is 40 it's good yeah <laughs> well i um my recommendation is i so as some of you or none of you may know i um write a concert column for phoenix magazine's online blog the fix and I, I had a lot of time this week to work on. Um, <laughs> um, for no particular reason. <laughs> Jared knows why. <laughs> and um, I had this idea that I would focus on LG, um, LGBTQ plus um, artists or those in towards the audience. And one person who, a couple people who I, I, I listened to that I really got a kick out of, um, one played Thursday here in Phoenix at the MIM, and the other played here Friday at Valley Bar, um, and one plays tonight at Rebel Lounge. Um, which is great because yeah, um, this which, will be released after uh, all of those shows. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So obviously, you're, you know, none of you are going to see it. But um, the first artist um, is Haley. Um, I'm going to screw this up. Um, Haley. Her name is Haley. I'm going to screw this up. That's no, a hell of a name. Shut up, dude. <laughs> Her name is Haley. Is that hyphenated or? <laughs> Did I interrupt you? <laughs> I apologize. I'm at that point. At this point, I'm just being. Did I interrupt you? Yeah. 
Ah, sure. <laughs> um, the first person again. I um I am going to mess this up. Um, so I apologize to Haley. Um, hey, Derix. Um, and I'll <laughs> when you do your liar notes. I'll um. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to text that to me yeah. so I can get that spelled correctly. Yeah, I'll just send you the column that you. I know you don't read. Um, <laughs> but she came up with a record five years ago called "I Need to Start a Garden," and it's very much in the um, Julian Baker um, type thing. But there's a lot less voice work and a lot of really good guitar work in it. Um, and it's. She, um, she's out of Oregon. She's a really good singer-songwriter. She's a Filipino-American. And it's just songs about romantic longing and gardening. Um, <laughs> and um, I just was really taken with it. It like, kind of like caught my attention like in a coffee shop uh, as I was, um, you know, looking for people right now. I'm like, holy shit, like, where has this been all my life? Wow. Um, so it really got my attention. Um, another artist, the one who played at Valley Bar, is Ila Bamba, um, who's also from Oregon. Um, it's led by um, Luz Elena Mendoza Ramos. Um, and I probably messed up somehow, too. Um, but her, I listened to her new album, Lucha. Mm. Um, and... Um, she had said that it's about love, queerness, Mexican-American, and Chicanx identity, family, intimacy, yearning, and loneliness. Um, which um, I didn't um, exactly pick all that up when I listened to it. Um, a, because um, part of it's in Spanish, um, and I don't speak Spanish. Um, and two, is just the music and the rhythms and everything is just so damn good. Oh, well. um, It's very much um, something... That would have been on David Burns' Luca Bop album uh, label um, before he decided to get stop making the Luca Bop label. <laughs> um, and the last recommendation I'm going to make, um, as far as like again artists I'm just like taken with, I mean, it's obviously why I wrote about them, um, is um, a Canadian singer called Begonia, named Begonia, and oh, I've um, heard of them. Yeah, and she, um, her album that, um, her last album, actually, I think her first two albums were produced by a band that me and Kristen saw when we were dating, uh, from also from Canada called Royal Canoe, hmm. um, who are a great band who I also recommend. But she is very much like, um, she's got the voice. She's got a voice. Um, and like, sort of like, um, the, sort of like Adele in your white house, Fiona Apple. Um, it's, it's, she's got a really strong vocal set. And, um, when she's tackling these songs about identity and sexuality and things like she does it with such flair and polish um that it just rises above like it's i think in, in a, another year or two we'll we'll be talking about her a lot more oh cool um um and i um those are my those are my recommendations i was really taken with those records um 
for um thing and um i again also i found out that um the starbucks that i've been going to over the last week um plays the same songs over and over again at the same time <laughs> right <laughs> and i was telling you that and because they play pretty much around 310 every afternoon the song bag of hammers by tao and they get down stay down um, which what, you sent me the link to. Which I sent I you the heard. link to. Yeah, yeah you Philistine. <laughs> um, and I know her because I interviewed her um, about uh, seven years ago um, when her second or third album came out. Um, this is from, I think, her first or second album. And I, I've just, uh, like, I forgot how much I love that song. And I recommend it to anyone who listens to it. It's a very um, rhythmic, joyful um, song something that I think um, Talking Heads would have probably done if Burn wasn't such a stick in the mud. <laughs> oh, <huh>. Interesting. <laughs> um, and that's um, we don't and though I don't talk about Lord Lord Burn in such mean terms. <laughs> <laughs> um, as I love him so much. Or he sends the bicycle mafia after you. Yeah, he sends the bicycle <laughs> mafia. I think. Um, I think. It's something that I honestly think that it's something that Tina and Chris would have done with Tom Tom Club. Oh, well. it's very Tom Tom Club song, but um, okay, um, kind of dancey, a little rappy. Um, so it's it's great, and she's a great person. I and she hosts um, she hosted Song Explorer um, for a while. Oh. Um, for a couple of years, because um, Ricochet Sherway took a break, um, and Dow took over for her, took over for him. So, and um, I was so excited because I remember just having the most lovely conversation with her when she came to interview her for the Phoenix New Times. So, those are my recommendations, y'all. Right on. Well, that's going to do it for the show. Uh, our next entry in the Getting Tweety with it, we're winding down, actually. We've got five more to go. Uh, and uh, make sure you listen to the, the double album version of this next one, um, because... <laughs> I will. <laughs> that's, we're getting in... We're, we're, this home stretch is, is, uh, is, is Tweety essentially solo. Yeah. Um, the, uh, this, the next one will be the Tweety album. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is which is we'll get more into it at the time but if, if anybody unfamiliar with the backstory it's the um the the album that jeff tweedy and spencer tweedy recorded while uh while mrs tweedy was undergoing treatment for cancer yeah yeah so i'm excited about this one these are this is eventually why the point where I wanted to get to. It's it's really good. Uh, I'm yeah. looking forward to talking about this this album and this this stretch of albums. But yeah, we're out of we're out of what you would call side projects or or um, you know that kind of thing. And we're gonna get into into the real tweet uh, the real Tweety solo. We're yeah. gonna get properly we're gonna get real with Tweety it. with it. Yep, and that's gonna do it. And until then, keep it mental, Platypeeps. peeps.